0: Kellogg announced plans to split into three companies with Chicago as a headquarters. And I'll talk with Crane's contributor, David Manilow about can't miss spots for breakfast around town.
1: (laughs) Pronounce the name of the rest. Is that La Catedral? La Catedral? It's La Catedral. Owner Ambrosio Gonzalez has opened on 25th, which is this little quiet street that he now has lines out the door. The thing that drew me to them is, um, They're chilaquiles.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, June 22nd. They called, when Trust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at WinTrust.com slash DailyGist. Member FDIC. David Manilow is back for our weekly conversation about the business of food and challenges of working in the service industry. And this week, we are talking about breakfast. I'm excited about this, David, because breakfast is... Well, it's the best meal of the day. I am a big breakfast fan.
1: Well, you know, I make breakfast at home mostly. But so when I go out, I really like to find places that serve things that I can't make at home because Chicago, huge brunch town. And a lot of the brunches are, you know, regular dinner restaurants that also open on the weekend. But there are several restaurants that are open for breakfast all week long or, you know, six out of seven days, for instance. That are great. And the I realized, so I was kind of like thinking through this, and I realized the place I've probably gone to most for breakfast is really a well-known dinner spot, but that's open for breakfast. Always, it was, you know, the chef's been nominated for a James Beard Award, et cetera, and that is Lula Cafe in Logan Square.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say Kasama again. <laughs>
1: I do love Kasama. also. I Kusama know you're also. a fan. I do love Kasama, but I've been to Lula many, many times, and I've been there predominantly for breakfast. And the thing that I used to get there and still get there is whenever they have fish and eggs on the menu. Curious. Because I so trust them and learn something every time I go there. Jason Hamill is the chef. You know, they'll have trout and eggs. Lately, they have had soft shell crab on the menu just for a brunch. This is all for breakfast. And um, they were kind of the original farm-to-table organic place. And, you know, they're still going strong. And a lot of people just know it for dinner or for lunch. I go there for breakfast.
0: Hmm. Fish and eggs. I, I thought you were going to go to like smoked salmon because that's the fish we associate with breakfast.
1: A hundred percent. And uh, there are lots of, there's a lox and bagels you can find, but they, they, they always do a, an interesting twist and, and it's always a, a pleasure to be there. On a completely different side, in Lincoln Park, there's batter and berries. I don't know if you've ever been to batter and berries. I have not. Batter and berries is uh, known for their French toast flight. A flight. A flight of French toast. You can get these individual if you want. Uh, They have uh, blueberry, strawberry, lemon, or caramel, and all of the batter. So, this, the blueberry French toast, they're making blueberry batter as well. So, it's really interesting. So, it's a very, it's a, it's a very savory um, and sweet dish, (laughs) I think, all at once. Um, They also have a sweet potato waffle, which is stuffed with pieces of fried chicken and then topped fried chicken wow so it's kind of chicken and waffle but they jazz it up a little bit and and it's black owned Line out the door almost every day you drive by or walk by and it's been there for several years now and it's very very popular and they're they're doing some interesting uh, interesting dishes
0: i like the idea of the the twist on the the waffle a sweet potato sweet potato is possibly my favorite food in the world that sounds delicious
1: I do love sweet potatoes, and uh, my wife and I kind of have a little ongoing battle, but I'm a sweet potato guy, and she's a baked potato girl, Mm. so we always have to try to figure out how to make that work. But you were telling me about another (laughs) chicken and waffle that I should try.
0: Oh, my God. Everybody, I'm telling you, Bloom on uh, Milwaukee, just a little bit south of North Avenue, it's entirely plant-based and gluten-free food there, but you could take someone who does not care about either of those you know, food restrictions, and they would still have a delicious meal. They have a brunch menu that is very delicious, but they have a chicken and waffles dish that is entirely gluten free. And instead of the chicken, it's a a maitake mushroom Mm. that's battered and fried that is very delicious, but it has this like hot pepper, butter, and delicious spicy syrup. It is, I've only eaten it once, but I have sent many people to go eat it because it's very, very good.
1: Well, I think you've just sent me. So I am going to definitely go and check that out because it sounds great. And I don't, you know, I don't have chicken and waffle that often, but when I do have it, it's it's usually memorable. The next place is, and I used to go there all the time and I still go there every once in a while, is Trey Kroner?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It's in North Park. It's Scandinavian. For breakfast, they have a uh, Swedish pancakes with lingonberries or lingonberry sauce, which are great and they are super thin pancakes you know and, and I think you can probably get those at an Sather there's a few An Sathers around town, but that 's the same thing I can 't make those pancakes at home, so when I go out there i 'm like, yeah, give me some give me some lingonberries, and I think it's Norwegian you know or type of food, and they 're just charming people and, and it's, it's, a, it's a lovely breakfast same thing oh, you know all of these places, including a couple more that i 'm going to mention, are really breakfast and lunch places, except for Lula. These these guys specialize in breakfast and lunch, and a lot of them are, aren't even open um, for dinner. So, number four, Uncle Mike's in Ukrainian Village. I know you mentioned Kasama. We've talked Kasama before, but Uncle Mike's is like uh, the original Filipino breakfast in town. It's kind of um, hangover-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you, so you'll go in there, and sometimes people, sometimes a little, they're dragging a little bit. Sure. It's a plentiful pork-heavy um, breakfast, uh, they including Spam, um, including Tocino, which is kind of like, a, I think, a Filipino bacon. Um, and they also have bangus, which I've had before. And bangus is, is marinated milkfish. Interesting. Yes, you can get a bangus. And back to the fish. You can get a bangus breakfast, big breakfast, marinated milkfish eggs and garlic rice and you're good to go whether you've had a hangover or not maybe maybe if you haven't had a hangover you might want to relax after the meal cuz it's a, it's generally a pretty big uh, a pretty big meal finally my like my new favorite even though it's not new is la cathedral or la cathedral which is on 25th street in little village and little village if you if you don't know where little village is it's basically on 26th And if you're coming from the east, you head west and you go through a a big arch, which is now a landmark, at about 3,100 west. And then there's lots of activity in Little Village, you know, vendors, you know, donut shops, restaurants. But he, the chef uh, owner, Ambrosio Gonzalez, has opened um, on 25th, which is this little quiet street that he now has lines out the door on.
0: Mm, And what kind of uh, cuisine is there?
1: Very Mexican with the same thing with a twist. But the thing that drew me to them is their chilaquiles. So for people that don't know, chilaquiles are it's basically corn tortillas that are fried. um, And then it's usually with egg dish, sometimes tomato, um, green or red sauce. Another thing that I've tried to make it home and not been successful at these are the best chilaquiles i've ever had and they have multiple varieties of chilaquiles
2: every december that we get a year old we add one more chilaquiles now we do have 12 chilaquiles on the menu and we do have the recipes for the next five years if you we still open they're really good they're really good like right now yeah right now i'm in mexico and i'm like okay i can make it better <laughs> and even the Mexican coffee, I don't know if you try the Mexican coffee, but the Mexican coffee is a huge hit. People love it. People from all over, um, not all over Chicago and, and uh, on the uh, suburbs, they go just to get the coffee.
1: What's the difference between Mexican coffee and like if coffee, I might get at Starbucks.
2: The Mexican coffee is made with um, cinnamon tea. Like you have to do a boiled cinnamon and it's brown sugar and coffee. Hmm. The secret, I'm not gonna tell you what's the secret, but it's a secret. <laughs> no, I mean I, I, think just the secret is to make it the same way all the time, and I know it, it costs a lot of money to do it. Some sometimes uh, now with the prices they're skyrocketing, um, it costs a lot of money. Like the way we do the chilaquiles, that we have to do each one on a new clean pot all the time. You know, 50 pots like. All the time clean for them. We need a dishwasher just for that. We need to make sure that each chilaquiles doesn't taste like if you get green chilaquiles, it's not gonna have a little bit of the red salsa that they just made. Right. But that's another thing that we have to make sure. We have to try the tortillas all the time that they're not soggy. That they're, I mean, the, the, to make sure that the chilaquiles taste the same way since we open, we spend a lot of money on changing the oil on the fryer. So we just not let the oil get dark and see if we can make it
1: work it just doesn't work and he's just a really super interesting guy that had been in the restaurant business and failed worked for other places and then opened this place and was having all kinds of trouble and now it's such a hit that they do something really unique you can't get a reservation, and you can't walk in. Hmm. The only way you can go there is if you sign up for a table online and they will then text you when your table is ready.
0: But you have no idea how far in advance you've just signed up.
1: You do, actually, because it's very smart. It's very smart. So you sign up and it will show you how many people are ahead of you.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: If you're 15 minutes away and you sign up and you say, oh, there's you know, a dozen people ahead of me, you have a general idea, and then they'll text you. And then when you come in, they'll ask your name at the door. They're very, very pleasant. And then you say uh, your name and, and they walk you right to your table. It's no signing up, waiting outside. The The reason I noticed La Catedral is because when I've spent time in Little Village in the last year or so, I don't usually come back. I am coming from the east. I don't usually come back from 26th going east. I go to the side street, so I go on 25th. Every time I drove down 25th, there's a line out the door. I didn't know what it was. Mm. I literally didn't. I didn't know if it was a club. And I'm talking about Wednesdays at 830 or Thursdays at 10. You know, it was just a line out the door. So I pulled over and saw the sign and looked it up. And it says right on the website, this is how you get a table. And I had like a fantastic experience. And then I, I talked to Chef Gonzalez and he was charming and great and fascinating.
0: So clearly he's doing something right if he's got a line on a Wednesday afternoon.
1: Yeah, he's a line on a Wednesday morning. He's a great lesson. He said that when he opened um this place, he was doing a lot of things including crepes um that he that his customer base was not used to. And he just said, "You know what? I think they'll love it." And then he worked it and worked it and worked it including having extra space where he had to, he was telling me he had to do Zumba classes and yoga and things like that. To keep the restaurant going. Just to pay the rent, yeah.
0: Interesting, interesting. Well, you you said earlier, if we can just back up to this, you said, you know, for those who may not know where Little Village is, first of all, if anyone is listening and doesn't, has not been to Little Village, go and eat. I mean, there's so much delicious food happening in Little Village that that's just Go and spend the day and just eat until you, you're rolling out of there, for sure.
1: It's an unbelievably genuine, authentic experience of where you can, whether I mean, I've i gone there, and just gone to Mexican bakeries, which are awesome. Right. So it'll give you a little bit. You know, I, we, we both encourage people to explore Chicago. And if you haven't been uh, to Little Village, it is a place you should go to, whether it's for a breakfast at, uh, at La Cathedral or just to walk around during lunch or grab something from a vendor. It's a, it's a charming part of town.
0: So is it the, the his commitment to doing things like crepes? Is that kind of what sets him apart?
1: I actually think what sets him apart is quality, mm. you know. And they're doing an interesting menu.
2: The pancakes taste like a Mexican pancakes. It doesn't taste like American pancakes. So if you try our pancakes, they're they're different, and that's what you get it on when you go to a church on Sunday in Mexico and you go to the plaza, you get a big, it's it called kekis or hot cakes. And they put uh, cajeta or strawberry uh, jam with a lot of um, butter on it. And when I try the pancakes, I'm like, oh, my God. I go back to my childhood on Mexico and getting out of church, waiting for that hot cake um, on the plaza.
1: And I, I do have a question for you. And I, let's just talk about breakfast because you're really a breakfast and lunch place. What what, what do you think makes a great breakfast restaurant?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you that... that that I learned from my, from my boss when I used to work at the restaurant. I used to work on a Greek restaurant, and he told me there's a lot of places with food, a lot better than mine. But you know what? There is nothing like my restaurant. And like, what is it? And like, you guys, the service is not gonna be the same every and all the restaurants. And I was like, oh, his, I mean, of course, the food is important. But then when I started realizing it, that there, a lot of people were there just to talk to us and having a chat with us, just talking about anything. And I didn't do it on my first restaurant. I didn't do it. And I was like, maybe he was right. I'm going to do it on the second restaurant. I'm going to tell, tell the team to be more friendly and actually know their customers better so we know what can we do better. We have a, a, a guy on our team. His name is Jose. He's been with us for for years. And they're like, "Oh, I want to, I want a table with Jose." And then we have a hundred people that want a table with Jose. And we, we have Adriana, and we have Alfredo, and then we have so many people that they go there to just say hi to them.
1: And he called it La with La Cathedral, and they have all kinds of um, artifacts that that would make you think that you might be eating in a cathedral. And he said. People who come in will just drop off things. They'll just drop off, you know, kind of a uh, religious artifacts, and they, he puts them up on the wall, and then they'll see their stuff on the wall. So he's a very warm relationships with his customers.
0: Always a pleasure talking with you, but always a pleasure talking about breakfast. So, double win today for sure. Thanks, David.
1: Great. I was like, I by the way, I'd forgotten about Uncle Mike's until right beforehand. I'm like, oh, Uncle Mike's, love me some Uncle Mike's.
0: Coming up, despite headwinds, an airline industry trade group predicts a profitable 2023. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Here's a great way to stay in touch with Crane's Daily Gist. Subscribe to the Cranes Morning Ten. It's our daily newsletter featuring the 10 biggest stories of the day. To subscribe, visit Chicagobusiness.com/slash morning ten.
2: This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth.
0: Battle Creek, Michigan-based Kellogg Company plans to split itself into three separate companies, with the headquarters of the largest in Chicago. Crane's Alley Maradi reported that the company said Tuesday that it would spin off part of its cereal business and its business focused on plant-based foods into separate publicly traded companies. The rest of the company, representing about 80% of the company's revenue, would consist of its snack business. Under the plan, the company said the cereal and plant-based business will stay headquartered in Battle Creek, and the worldwide snack business will have campuses in Battle Creek and Chicago, with Chicago being its headquarters, and said Snack HQ will be at 412 North Wells, which Kellogg already leases. The building was originally the headquarters for RX Bar, which Kellogg bought in 2017. The company also said that names for the new companies will be announced later on. Downtown apartment rents have hit a record high, and with rents up about 19%, it's a landlord's market. Crane's Albie Galoon reported that the net rent at high end or Class A apartment buildings hit an all time high of $355 per square foot in the first quarter, up 19.1% from a year prior, according to the Chicago Office of Integra Realty Resources, a consulting and appraisal firm. After dropping off earlier in the pandemic, the downtown multifamily market is up once again, boosting the cost of housing and the profits of landlords. And Galun noted in his reporting that it's simply a matter of economics that demand for apartments is high and supply is low, the result of a slowdown in construction earlier in the pandemic. Developers will complete just 1,500 apartments downtown this year, which is the lowest total in a decade, also according to Integra. And a strong local job market is fueling the demand side of the equation. When companies hire, their new workers tend to rent apartments nearby. And that seems to be holding true even though many are still working remote or hybrid schedules, reducing the need to be close to the office. But rising mortgage rates could also impact the apartment market by driving up the cost of single-family homes and condos, thus putting them out of reach for many would-be buyers. But it isn't just the high end of the downtown market that's booming. Galoon also reported that net rents at less expensive class B buildings also rose to the record high of 292 per square foot in the quarter, up 18.7% from the year prior. Abbott Laboratories is opening a new office at Willis Tower that could bring as many as 450 jobs downtown, a move meant to provide a remote work option for employees away from its north suburban headquarters. Citing an internal memo to workers from Abbott CEO Robert Ford, Crane's Danny Ecker reported that the company has leased more than 100,000 square feet on two floors in the city's tallest skyscraper. Abbott will build out the new space on the 25th and 26th floors and open in the third quarter of 2023. Ford wrote in the memo, quote, We're always looking for new and better ways to work at Abbott, and the pandemic experience has further supported the use of the wide range of flexible work arrangements we offer. Ecker also noted that. But Abbott's deal follows an announcement last week that trading firm IMC is expanding its Willis Tower office by 45 percent to a total of 160,000 square feet on a new 10-year lease that makes it one of the building's largest tenants. And both deals come as New York-based Willis Tower's owner, Blackstone Group, wraps up a $500 million renovation of the tower that includes a dramatic expansion of its lower floors. The International Air Transport Association Trade Group predicts the airline industry will return to profit next year as pent-up demand for travel sustains bookings, even as the global economy tightens. IATA said Monday in an update at its annual meeting that losses this year are likely to total $9.7 billion as air travel continues its recovery from the pandemic, which is an improvement on the $11.6 billion deficit predicted at the previous gathering last October. IATA Director General Willie Walsh told the gathering of airline leaders, quote, industry-wide profit should be on the horizon in 2023, continuing by saying, we are rebounding. By next year, most markets should see traffic reach or exceed pre-pandemic levels. And while most carriers are seeing sales as customers return to air travel following the lifting of COVID mitigation measures, there are doubts about how long the lift will continue as high fuel prices push airlines to increase fares and as inflation weighs on household spending. Speaking at a press briefing on Monday, Walsh said that aviation is suffering the same employment issues as other sectors, but that the impact has been more acute because it's an industry in which people can't generally work remotely. And he said he believed there would be a disconnect between supply and demand through the end of this year and into the first quarter of next year. Walsh also cautioned that customers can expect to see higher fares as a consequence of fuel prices, especially outside the U.S., but that on the positive side, higher jet fuel prices could encourage the switch to sustainable aviation fuel, with the price differential between the two now much narrower, he noted, also saying that he sees the war in Ukraine remaining a long-term challenge for airlines.